2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. So, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him or her for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That is the word of the Lord. Indeed. We're going to be talking today about your ambitions. This morning question comes to you, of course, on the back of last Sunday's message in the passage, and we'll obviously it will be linked to the answer that you arrived at from that passage last Sunday as you ponder deeply in your hearts throughout the week, and I know you all probably did this, didn't you? It is important that we understand that the unbreakable connection there is between each and every passage, each and every verse in the Bible, that they are connected forever, they cannot be separated. We must also be convinced of that there is also the trust that we have that no part of the Bible can ever be taken on its own. It all belongs together. See, your goals and ambitions will be welded, be inseparable to your answer to the previous question that we asked last week, that where is your home? Let us pray that we will indeed get a true comprehension of what this then means to us from these two verses. Our loving Father, we ask that you will open our minds to the connectivity between the verses we had last week and this week and how they belong together and indeed one answer gives us the next and gives us what we need to do and how we need to live. May this be clear to us by the guiding of your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Depending on uh, which Bible translation you use at home, and sometimes it's a great help to us, in fact, that if we have more than just the one Bible translation, as the various people doing the translations over the years and centuries take on a slightly different track, and yet also, we hope, are focused on what the Lord wants us to read and then understand. We hope they're focused. The beginning of today's text in the older NIV translation, that from 1984, speaks of our goal, whereas others will use terms such as an aim or ambition or aspire or even use the word covet. It just goes to show that the richness of the Greek language used by those that wrote it in the New Testament. But today I have selected ambition just for the sake of clarity because that's what it comes down to. Ambition fits so well into that last sentence that we have in these two verses, whether good or bad. See, ambition can be a really sad thing but it can also be a truly noble thing. When we speak in general terms of an ambitious person, it can quickly and very quickly indeed turn into a very sad state. In the days of the Romans, for example, this term was coined 
to refer to a man willing to do whatever it takes to gain power, to be elected, to get what he wanted. It was a sign indeed at the time and used in the terms of a total lack of morals and ethics. That's what ambition can be. Whereas we also have in the Bible places where it is a godly and honourable to have ambitions when it regards what we want to do and how we want to serve the Lord. As Paul writes in Romans 15.20, I aspired to preach the gospel. That's what he wanted. Noble. Or he writes in Thessalonians, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. Quiet life to sit before the Lord, to ponder his word, to understand who he is in your life. Or maybe even more appropriate to today's text, in the Timothy he writes, if any man aspires to the office of elder, it is fine work he desires to do. In fact, any leadership role, any servitude in the church is a noble task to desire to have an ambition for. So on that note, we'll go to verse 9. So we make it our goal, or ambition, or aspire, or even covet, to please the Lord whenever we are at home in the body or away from it. See, to fully grasp the deeper meaning of the word used by Paul to relay this task he speaks of, he uses a word that is sort of a compound word. I'm not going to go into detail of all these sort of literacy, but it actually is two words meaning love and honor. That's what he's using, because that's what he means. That would then obviously eliminate you and I applying any selfish ambitions in our desires, goals, or anything else. We will be so focused on the aspect of service which will in the end be honoured and anchored in our love of God and our deepest desire to honour him with our lives and our deeds. And again, I can't stress this strongly enough. I really can't. The reason that we are so focused wanting to honour our Lord is based in our deep and sincere love, not just for what he is doing for you, but what he has already done for you. And that in turn then brings you back to last week's text and the answers you came up with with the question, where is your home? I do hope you spent some time thinking about it. When you get that answer clear in your mind, then everything else becomes so crystal clear both in your heart and your mind. It sets who you are. When we then stop and consider what Paul then writes in this verse, to please the Lord, it speaks of the most noble and the highest ambition to which anyone, anyone can aspire. Please, just for a minute, consider what your life is like. And I don't mean to belittle you in any way, but I mean seriously, I have a constantly had the opportunity to consider my life, as you should. And pleasing the Lord may not be an aspect that I would readily speak of about my life. And it brings about a sadness that I didn't do and live as I ought 
knowing what Jesus has done for me. I'm only too aware and acknowledge that my life is why Jesus had to suffer and die a gruesome death on the cross and he was deserted by both man and friend. My life. Your life. And here Paul speaks of an aspiration to be able to please the Lord. Let me take you to the Romans letter and the letter to the Ephesian church. In Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Or in 14, Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Ephesians, he says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. It is a problem for us, isn't it? How do we please the Lord? How can we, who we are, actually come to the point where we can please the Lord? And since Paul is in letter addressing the church in Corinth, and Corinth being probably one of the most problematic churches he ever served, it would be appropriate to recall what he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians 4. Remembering that some of the big issues facing that church in Corinth at the time was the fact that they would judge each other and even condemn each other within the church. I care very little if I'm judged by you, Paul says, or by any human court. Indeed, I don't know, do not even examine myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring light, what is hidden in darkness, and will expose the motives of man's heart at that time. Each will receive his praise from God. Paul did not consider the opinion of people to have much of an importance in his life. He cared for them, yes, but he didn't really matter to them what they thought of him because he did not seek the approval of men but of God. Paul saw himself as a servant of the Lord God and as such was also only accountable to the Lord. That makes sense, doesn't it, if you think it through. But let us not make a mistake here. Paul obviously is right when he states that he is only accountable to the Lord. That's true. And so am I and so are you. But that does not also mean that we should not hold each other accountable in this church. Paul, after all, if you have a think about it, Paul did go to Galatia and he did keep Peter accountable for his actions, for his misbehavior to the Galatian churches. And he even corrected him, corrected Peter in front of all the people. He held him accountable to what God wanted him to be. Holding you accountable does not mean I'm judging you. 
Holding each other accountable doesn't mean we judge each other. It simply means I'm holding you accountable because I love you and I care for you. In the same way that Paul did with Peter. We can then bundle all of that with the last few words here in verse 9. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it. It makes no difference if you're in the body or away from it. Your life is still, no matter whether you're here on earth in your body or you're in heaven away from your body, awaiting your body to arrive at the return of Christ. You are here and there to please the Lord. Does not change. Nothing changes. Paul's ambition to please the Lord, whether imperfect on earth or perfect in heaven, remained completely unchanged. He expresses this absolute devotion in Romans again. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord and if we die, we die to the Lord. Everything is for the Lord. So whether we die or live, we belong to the Lord. Here and there. For me, This teaching indicates that my life here on earth should imitate the life that I'm going to be leading when I get to heaven. I should make my life here as close to that as I possibly can. And the life in heaven can to some extent be found as we read in Revelation. That is where day and night we sing, Holy, holy is the Lord. In the centre of the throne, in verse 7, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had wings and covered with eyes all around, even under their wings, day and night. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's what our life in heaven will be like. We have nothing else but worshipping God. That's all we do. And they say, of course, in verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. See, if we truly understand that truth alone, that we were created by him, for him, and he sustains us each and every day. Paul understood this, and Paul's ambition to please God in this life and the life to come demonstrate his broad scope of his devotion to the Lord, but also it shows his unmistakable understanding of his own sinfulness and his constant need to change and improve. So everything we get from God has got two sides. It is we find out who God and Jesus is. But it also shines a light on who we are. He knows he is fully accountable to the Lord, the very Lord that has given him life and poured out his mercy on him as sinner. And the point of the accountability, we can now move on to verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Um, Let no one mistake the weightiness 
of the word appear in this context in the Bible. This isn't merely being the next person that had the honor, honor of being then called forward and presented to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The word carries with it an enormous amount of baggage. It means to make manifest, to make clear, to make visible and to reveal. It means you will be laid bare, be stripped of every outward facade of respectability that you have or thought you had. And of course, it also have once full and true character revealed before God. That's what's going to happen. It will be good. But you will have this revealed. On that day, appearing before the Christ, the full truth about your life, your character, your deeds, good or bad, will be made clear. Not only obvious to Christ Jesus, but it will be made clear to all believers that are there with you. To each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's a time when all hypocrisy and pretense will be stripped away. And when we read verses such as we find in 1 Samuel, where it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at his heart. A large and indeed very important part of God's scriptures and studying his word will always be a self-evaluation, an understanding, a truth of who we are when we read these things in the Bible. When we are given verses like these two, it should give us great encouragement to do just that. And yes, I know that sometimes it brings with it sadness, humiliation and even embarrassment. But so be it. All of us, each individual, will at some point appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There is no way around that. Such understanding should bring about a change in our day-to-day living. It ought to change some of the things. Believers, true believers, will not be judged for sin at the judgment seat of Christ. Every sin of every believer was judged at the cross. And God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul tells us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But through salvation, it is not by works. Works are the inevitable result of true salvation. We can't work to be saved, but because we are saved, we respond. James told us that clearly. And each and every one of us really need to regularly evaluate our own ambitions, our desires, our aspirations, or even have a look at some of the things you covet that isn't yours. Am I... Each day am I avoiding the traps that are set for me by Satan? And there are so many of them. Am I honoring God with my actions and my deeds? Are my ambitions and desires shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
the really great thing about a self-examination, even though we know Paul said he wouldn't self-examine because he's going to be judged by God, it is still worthy of us to self-evaluate who and what we do. Are you able to tell? Are you able to tell if you are growing spiritually or not? Let your ambitions and desires be God-honoring in all that you do. When we read things like Colossians, and I'll finish with this verse. Put in simple terms, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters. Let us pray. Our loving and merciful Father, we come to you to thank you for these words. We thank you that Paul is a trustworthy servant writing down what you have given him, that we may read it today and understand it because you placed your Holy Spirit in us. But Lord, we need direction We need guidance. We need rebuking from time to time. But we in all things pray that we will take these things to heart, that we will change. We will get better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.